The title of this talk this morning is He Wears the Crown. It wasn't meant to be the, the title, my original sort of message that I was going to bring, but I was here um, a week yesterday, so on a Saturday, preparing for the worship for last Sunday. And as I was here, I, I was praying, and I had a real sense in my imagination, it's a vision really in my imagination, of Jesus just filling this place. He was absolutely, completely filled this place that we're sitting in now. And I looked up at him, and I saw that he wore a crown. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, this is going to be the message for this morning. Because I was filled with a, whole, with a sense of God's authority and Jesus' power. And it, it gave me a real assurance of his peace as I was looking at him, and an assurance that he has got things in control and he is in charge. And I know for many of us, we, we can struggle with our whole concepts because so many things come and distract us and take our attention away from Jesus and who he is, and who he is as an exalted Jesus, high above everything and all the difficulties and circumstances we face. And I know that we face a lot of difficulties, and many people face a lot more difficulties than I do. Um, and I know that they're hard, and they're hard to go through. And I don't in any way try to diminish the difficulties that people face. But sometimes you may be like me, and you may find that the difficulties we have can dominate our life. They could be health issues, they could be finance issues. They could be problems in the family. They could be problems at work. And we know that it's easy for those things to take control of our life. It looks like they wear the crown. And we tend to want to sometimes, or not want to, but we tend to sort of almost bow to them. And, but we lose a sense of hope and peace in the midst of it all, when we see these circumstances and see these difficulties as being bigger than Jesus. Because it is Jesus, he wears the crown. And I'm going to repeat that a few times this morning so that we all get it. And it comes into our spirits, not just into our minds. That Jesus, he wears the crown. So how can we break the cycle that causes us so often to live in defeat when we know that we've been born again for victory. Jesus has overcome every obstacle in life through his death, resurrection, and his ascension. And we're told in Scripture that now he even lives to intercede for us. So if we could put up Hebrews 7, 24 to 26... If you've got your Bibles and you want to look at it up as well, it's Hebrews 7, 24 to 26. But I'm going through quite a few, so I wanted to put them on the overhead so it's a little bit easier for people to catch up. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he lives, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need 
one who is holy, blameless, and pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. It's a wonderful encouragement for us, isn't it? It's that Jesus, who's paid the price for our salvation, not just for us to be going to heaven when we die, but as Maynard often reminds us with his favourite verse, John 10, verse 10, he's come to give us life and life in all its fullness. So it's a life that he wants us to save us into now, which is a life of joy, and it's a life experiencing his freedom in our lives. It's an encouragement that Jesus is interceding for us now to save us. He's interceding now to save us from what we're in. If it's difficult, if it's hard, Jesus is interceding for us. We can be encouraged to know that he is sitting on the throne and he wears the crown. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit intercedes for us through us in our times of weakness. So in Romans 8, verses 26, we read this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. We need to sort of believe these words, don't we, to allow ourselves just to to step into them, to acknowledge them, to recognise that he is on the throne, he wears the crown, he is interceding for us, and he is going to make a difference in our lives. One of my favourite parts of the Bible is Ephesians, um, and it's a letter that was written by Paul to the, the church in Ephesus. It's a letter that gives us a heavenly view of Jesus, and Paul prays a fantastic prayer that we need today. And I just want to pray it, and it's Ephesians 4, 17 to 23. Sorry, Ephesians 1, sorry, 17 to 23. Ephesians 1, 17 to 23. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age but also in the one to come. And God placed all things, all things. Do you want to repeat after me? All things, all things, under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him 
who fills everything in every way. We have the Holy Spirit given to us, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that we can know Father better. We can know that he loves us. We can know that love that just reaches deep into our hearts. There's an enlightening of our hearts that comes by the Holy Spirit that enables us to know the hope to which we are called. And a hope is a confident expectation that good, of good, that good is coming. And whatever we face, however hard things may be, God is the God of all hope. It tells us that in Romans 15, verse 13. He is the God of all hope. We know that if we come to him, there is hope. There is always hope. I was doing a course recently with, with Wendy a few months ago. Um, it's by a ministry called Igniting Hope. So it gives you an idea of what it's all about. And um, he, they, they, they encouraged us to do declarations, you know, based on the word of God every morning and every day, so that we would get the word of the Lord God into our minds and into our hearts. And one of the things that we, we're encouraged to do, and I try to do fairly regularly every morning when I get up, and it, it, it's, saying, it's saying this, it's a good day. It's, sorry, it's a great day. Good things are going to happen in me and through me today. It's a day of victory and of breakthrough. It's a great day. Good things are going to happen in me and through me today. It's a day of victory and of breakthrough. God is the God of all hope. And he is the one that enlightens our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit to know that he is that God of all hope and to know the hope. The Holy Spirit also enlightens us to know his incomparable great power. It's working for us. Isn't it amazing that we've not got a God that's limited and restricted to the ways that we are, we've got a God who has got incomparable great power. And all of this is available for us because Jesus was raised from the dead and is now seated at the right hand in the heavenly places and all things have been put into subjection unto his feet. All things. You see, Jesus... He wears the crown. And he wants us to live in the power and the authority of that. But not only is Jesus seated at the right hand, but he raises us up, us up with him. And in Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 7, if you're looking in your Bible, Ephesians 2, 4 to 7, it says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and he seated us with him in heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches 
of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Paul is in effect saying, look up at Jesus. He wears the crown. We're seated with him. We're in that place where we can, in his power, through his grace, we can know that rule and authority ourselves. We can stand in it. Our vision of Jesus is to overwhelm us and to captivate us. That is the focus of our lives, is that the vision of Jesus should just overwhelm us and captivate us. That's why we love worship, don't we? Because worship is a ex- way of expressing our heart and our desire to, to see and to experience the love of Jesus in our lives. Obviously, it's to glorify him above everything else. But we want to have our hearts that are open and, and, wa- and seeing him for who he is. It's easy, though, for our circumstances and our difficulties to overwhelm us instead, rather than the vision of Jesus. As well as having a revelation of who Jesus is and who we are in him through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, if we're to live a life of victory that Jesus has won for us, we also do need to let go and let God There is within us all a desire to control. And in a worldly way, it's a good thing to be able to control. We are able to manage things, bring a bit more efficiency into our work. So control can be a positive thing. But when it comes to God, God we're not to control God. (laughs) Or try try to control God, I should say. It just doesn't work. But that often is what we do. And a month ago, I, I had a picture, and it, it was, uh, I was praying, I had a picture of a, of a building that was surrounded by scaffolding. So you couldn't actually see the building. You could, all you could see was the scaffolding around it. Um, and I felt the Lord say that, that this, this is the church at the moment. And I think it's for us at Green Street Green, but it could be for the other, other churches because there's so many things that are happening at the moment that actually we can't see what God is doing. We're not quite clear of what's going on. There's this scaffolding that's going around it. But I actually think God's doing that for a purpose. But I don't think he wants us to control what he's doing. I think he's hiding the work for the time being, in order to, that we don't actually come and try to manage and control it. Jesus, when he discipled his 12 apostles, um, I mean, probably all aware of this when you read the gospel, one of his key ways in which he discipled his, um, the um, apostles was getting them to really be with him. So he would take the disciples with him wherever he went so they would learn from him by doing and by seeing and there's an account that's both in Matthew, Mark and Luke when Jesus um, goes up to the mountain to pray and he takes his three closest friends um, Peter, James and John and they go up with him to pray and the passage is about the is known as the, the transfiguration in Luke 
If you want to look it up, look it up later, um, it's Luke 9, 28 to 36. But I'll, I'll give you a summary of that now. So it's not going to kind of come up on the screen. So the three closest friends, Peter, um, James, and John, um, Jesus was glorified. It says he's, it came like white, it's dazzling white. He was, he was glorified. And the, uh, Moses and Elijah came to him. This is while he was praying. The disciples then, however, woke up. They'd fallen asleep during the prayer time. They woke up and saw Jesus with Elijah and Moses. And Peter jumped to and said, I know, well, let's build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter was wanting to control the situation. He was wanting to, to take charge. He, was wanting, he didn't want this moment to go. He wanted it to last. And so he took the sort of initiative and said, look, let's, uh, let's build tabernacles. And if you remember, Father's word says, said this, Father said these words, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. This is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. I mean, there is a history in church of moves of God, of revivals, which have been shortened because men have attempted to control what God is doing. And we need to resist the temptation and just do as the Father said to Peter, just listen to Jesus step by step and move with him. And I'm reminded of, the, when I read of this the verse, which has come up now, is Matthew 9, verse 17. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. God is doing a new work, and there may need to be new structures in place to contain the move, but we can't control it. But coming out of this period, I think there will be changes to us as this church at Green Street Green and other churches in the area. But what will that change look like? Well, we don't really know, but one thing for sure, in Luke 15, we have Jesus giving us parables of the seeking and saving of the lost. And our purpose has got to be to be walking in the shoes of those that don't know the Lord Jesus. It's got to be going out and being willing to go out and fulfilling the great commission that Jesus called us to. Whatever the Lord is doing with the church, we know that it will be for the benefit of those that don't know him. Not for us to feel comfortable not to, but to allow him to upturn the tables and prepare the way for people to come into the kingdom. Um, I, I do a journal sort of fairly regularly. Um, most days I'm, I'm writing in things I'm saying to God and things I'm feeling God saying to me. And on the 28th of December, this is my journal entry of what I felt God was saying to me. Chris, make yourself available to me. Always remember that I call you to be my witness. I don't call you to stay where you are, but to go out and express my heart, 
living in the power of the Holy Spirit, who is always at work. I'm seeking the lost. Ask me to give you my heart for the lost, preparing the way so many can enter in. Walk with those that don't know me. Ask me to fill you with my compassion. Going back to the picture of the, the scaffolding, um, scaffolding is, is, is of benefit as well because it allows, Simon will know this and anybody else that works in the building trade and probably, well, we'll all know it, it allows people to go up any part of the building safely so they can work safely in any place. So it effectively allows access to all areas. And one of the things I've been praying over the last few months I've been saying to the Lord, Lord, you can access all areas of my life. And I think that's what the Lord wants for us, each one of us. Lord, will you access all areas of my life? If we're to see Jesus wearing that crown and letting go and letting God control the situation we face, our posture should always be one where we're kneeling. We're kneeling. We're kneeling. We're, we're, we're kneeling before him. We're seeing him as he is. And, but we're also seeing ourselves as we are. And I used to have the wrong view of humility. I used to think that I was humble if I, if I saw the things that were wrong in me. If I saw the smallness of my life and how unworthy I was, then I used to view that as being hum humility. But it's not humility. In fact, the Lord wants us to be filled with confidence. He wants us to be filled with confidence in the things that he's called us to, knowing that he's more than able to achieve what he wants through his grace, knowing that the grace of God is live, and living in the grace of God is the key to us living in true humility. It's knowing the grace of God and living in the grace of God is key for us in walking in true humility. We've already read that we are seated with the Lord. We live that out, however, acknowledging that it's through the grace of the Lord at work in us. We're always to have a posture of kneeling, recognising Jesus as the exalted one, the glorified one. So I've talked about our difficulties and being able through the power of the Holy Spirit to see the Lord setting us free to overcome and become victorious in those things. I've also talked about our desire to control situations and the need to let God, let go and let God seeing that is, he is working in the church in the ways that we can't perhaps at the moment fully understand. The scaffolding is up. It's there that the Lord, though, can access all areas of the building and our lives. And he wants us to be open our lives to him, to access all areas for him to work in. And in it all, we want to be having our vision renewed to see Jesus magnificent, glorious, filling our lives and wearing the crown.
We are to posture ourselves by kneeling and living in true humility and an awareness of his grace that is at work in us and through us, not our power, but his grace. And finally, I've, I've made a, a New Year commitment to step out in faith and spend this year doing good works for the Lord as he leads. The last couple of years, we've, I've, I've sort of felt, I've, like probably so many others, felt that it's been a time where God's been doing something in me and perhaps it's a time of reflection. But I feel that this year for me is a time where he wants me to go out and do some work and do good for him. And the verse that, is, that I'm sort of using as this year is in Acts 10, verse 38. And it'll come up now, actually. Acts 10, 38. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I want to see Jesus and do what Jesus did. I wonder God's good works, has good works for us all to walk in. And in Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10, I'll finish on these verses. It says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by work, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Jesus is crowned over all, and in 2022, Jesus will accomplish what he wants in us and through us as we humble ourselves allowing him access to all our areas of our lives. COVID isn't in control. Jesus is in control. And things are about to change, I believe. I believe God is up to something. There is a move that God is doing. And we want to be part of that, don't we? We want to be reflecting more and more on the things that Jesus wants for us and to step out and do them and do them for him.